Those texts have actually come up over the last little while. One of reopening wells and another of striking the ground. And then the prophet of God is actually angry with him because he said, why did you only strike it three times? You should have struck it more. And what we, what we don't want to do, friends, is we don't want to, in this season, leave anything on the table. We kind of got to we kind of get hold of what God's doing and we've got to break through with it and, and get into what he has. We don't want to be short at all. And we don't want to live outside. We don't want to have a diminished view of what God has for us. And we don't want to live in a diminished occupation of what he has for us either. And uh, very key words. We've had such an amazing six months. I actually can't wait. Tomorrow I'll go and leave for two weeks. And I'm so looking forward to it. But I've been, I've been reflecting around the last six months. What's God done? What's God saying? Um, God's increased the eldership team, the number of, of people on the eldership team, which has been a phenomenal thing. And God always leads with leaders first. And so actually that, that increase in the number, the, the eldership team, numbers of eldership team, is actually preparing for a future. And that was, that's been a significant moment. We've had a number of voices in. We've had uh, Tyron Daniel come in and say, are we all in? Are we all in? And my, I, I want to ask you all, are you all in? And some of you might not be, you're still kind of finding your way and following Jesus, and that's okay. But if you've walked with Jesus for 10 years and you're still not all in, something's got to shift in our lives. And uh, he asked, Aaron, Tyron asked the question, are you all in? We then had just, it was out of the blue moment where Gene Guthrie came and, and, and had a meeting here on the Sunday morning. Gene Guthrie is a different, very different looking person to Tyron. Hallelujah. So, amen. Gene Guthrie is an older lady, approaching 80 years old, a business lady, very, very prim and proper, but releases the fire of God and the presence of God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a profound way. And God starts speaking to us. Not only do I want you to have leaders preparing you, but actually unless you have a baptism in the Spirit, unless you're full of the Spirit, overflowing with the Spirit, you cannot be the witnesses and the people that I've called you to be. And Jean comes in and just releases something over our hearts. Tongues. The gift of tongues comes back into the fore again around what we're doing and where we're going. Every time she prayed for somebody, she said, Do you speak in tongues? That was the first question. And the second, the, th- the second thing she did is she said, lift your heads up. Often we, we pray like this. She said, no, lift your heads up. And she taught us that actually the, the tongues was a key to unlocking something. And actually we're not meant to stand with our heads bowed, but with our heads up to receive what God has for us. And then we had Paul and Adam. Paul Tottle preached here last Sunday. Adam uh, Thompson uh, the dreams and visions guy, and uh, we had a whole conference around that. It was amazing, amazing time, which I really feel that God unlocks something prophetically. And what's, what's amazing is all three of those people, all four of those people, very different in style, very different in language. Friends, can I just ask us as a people, we've got to be able to, to receive the differences in style and be, otherwise, we're going to reject the style and, and uh, we're going to push the style away and reject the message that they carry. We want, to, we want the message. We want what God has for us, even if it comes in a different package. And often it did. The nation of Israel rejected the message because they, 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 they pushed away the message because they rejected the package of Jesus. They didn't want him to come like that. 
And so missed the gospel, missed the, missed the point of the, why Jesus was there. And so we have these differences of people. I then am uh, just preparing this week, and I, I went on to a new, uh, subscribed to a new podcast of a guy that's quite an intellectual guy, quite a conservative kind of dude. And uh, they, they, as we did, we, we spoke about tongues a few weeks ago. Drew preached on tongues, the gift of tongues, to try and lay a foundation of what that means. And then Raymond spoke about Pentecost on Pentecost Sunday. And uh, the, the, the title of his, this guy's message last week was this, Heaven comes to earth so we can take ground. It got my attention. Heaven comes to earth so we can take ground. Friends, the point of heaven coming to earth is because God is taking ground. Can I, it's not just ground that we are taking, and ground, that taking of ground is something, and we've been preaching a series on Joshua around taking ground. What does it mean to take ground, not just hold ground? We're not called to be in a defensive pattern. The church is an advancing community, and it's advancing the community, and the gates of hell will not prevail the advancing church. It's not the gates that are squeezing us. We're squeezing the gates as we advance and as we live like Jesus. And he's talking about heaven coming to earth so we can take ground. We've got to take ground in our minds. We've got to take ground in our hearts. But friends, and that's what we've got to do. But when God says, I am taking ground in Durban, things move and things shift. So please understand, this is not just us. It's not a cute message about us. It's a message about God from heaven to earth taking ground back for His name and His glory. Which means touching cities and influencing people and spaces and nations. God is taking ground at this moment. God wants to do something very, very significant in this city, friends. That's one of the big ideas as I've looked back over the last six months and the words that have been coming, the dreams that have been coming, the, 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 the way God's speaking to people. You know why God's speaking to people in dreams and visions? Because we remember pictures better. Once you've had a picture, you've got, you can't, don't let go of the picture. But you know what dreams, visions, and the angelic does? God's also reminded us that we're not, we're to understand that we partner with that we co-labor with, and and, uh, uh, the heavenly host which God commands. And so actually, so much in the the Pentecostal church, charismatic church, we've got more uh, grid for the demonic than what we do for angels. The angels outnumber the the demons in the heavenly realm. And so if if we kind of get freaked out because of angels, but we easily recognize the demons... We've got a problem. Actually, we should be more Jesus-focused, God-centered, and realize that when God speaks, He attends His Word with angelic hosts to make sure that it gets done. And we partner with and we work with. We don't speak. We don't preach to. We don't tell them what to do. We don't worship angels. They actually come and minister to us and help us get the job done. And so that was, that's something that has really been stirred again in my heart. I'm saying, God, if you've sent angelic forces and the angelic host to come and partner and friends if you all you've got to do is get into the first few and you can't even get three or four chapters into most of the books of the bible new testament and you see angelic and visions and dream encounters 
that God shifts things and brings things into being as these people encounter God's messengers so that they can get the job done. But you know what happens when God speaks to us with dreams and visions and, 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 and angelic encounters? You know the point is not the angelic encounter, dream, or vision. The point is, what is God saying? The point is, God is speaking to us. Now the onus of responsibility comes on us. What are we going to do with what He said? What are we going to do with what He said? All very well having an understanding of dreams and visions and God speaking in that way and even angelic moments, but actually it comes with a message and the, the question is this, what are we going to do with what is God saying? Friends, for that we need to be partnering with the Holy Spirit, finding out exactly what it is and doing what God is saying. God wants to do something significant in the city. That was the context of the William Branham, Paul Cain, Adam Thompson relationship connection that they spoke about. There might be some confusion around, well, what do you mean by an impartation? Well, you, you can't receive something from somebody else. They, they spoke about God wants to impart something, and, and on Sunday night we came and we had an impartation service. Uh, at the end of it, we kind of prayed for a ton of people saying, God, give them what they need for the next season. And the reason why that, how that came about is that Adam Thompson had a, had a personal relationship with Paul Cain before he died. And Paul Cain was the son of this guy, William Branham. William Branham went off the rails. He was a significant man of God. Did, in fact, his most powerful meeting I was reading this morning happened here in Durban. He never experienced anywhere else in the world what, what he experienced in Durban. And what happened was, is they, they're literally friends when those meetings happened in the race course, was they would literally have trucks full of, of wheelchairs and, and uh, crutches driving away from the meetings. There was such power and such prophetic intent and such healing released in those meetings. He did lose his way. He went theologically off the, off the, off the range. But God did something significant. It was almost like God opened a well in Durban in those days, 1951. And what happened was, is one of his sons of the faith was Paul Cain, who also, by the way, was a bit dodgy and went off the range. Unbelievable gift of prophetic anointing over his life. And there's some, there's some uh, controversy around, did he get restored? How did he get restored? And the point was, the, the link was, in Adam's mind, he said this. He said, listen, I've got this link to Paul Cain. Paul Cain had this link to Branham. Branham was in Durban. God wants to do what God, again, what he did with Branham in Durban. And what, there was, what he wanted to do was release something of that over us as a church, over us as a city, and say, be blessed in Jesus' name. Receive the impartation of heaven so that you can see again what they saw in their day. Friends, God is setting this city up and setting this church up for an incredible move of God. And our responsibility is to take that, those words and say, God, teach us. Teach us. Show us. Put our hearts. Let us be all in. Let us be aware of you. We want to see you move in power. We want to see you move in power. And it should encourage us that Branham and Cain were off the range a little bit because it means that even if you're off the range, God can still use you. 
Let's stay in the range, though. Let's not go there. Let's stay here. Let's stay here. That's why teaching, when the Spirit of God is moving in power, is absolutely key. Because unless what's happening gets rooted back in the Scripture and is landed centrally on Jesus Christ, it goes off the range. And God wants us to be a people that can steward His Word and His presence in such a powerful way that we see the presence of God powerfully touching lives, saving lives, healing lives. While we're on to the controversy or kind of some things that were a little bit of the weekend, which out of our kind of language and out of our understanding potentially, we did an offering on the Sunday night for those, for those that were there. And the way it was done was very not Glenridge, like very not what we do. Let me tell you the story of that. So we weren't going to do an offering on the Sunday night because obviously people paid to be at the conference. And Adam said this, he said, you know what, Stan? There's a connection between finances, people giving their hearts, and releasing finances to the Spirit of God moving. You know, the Spirit of Mammon is a very, very powerful thing. And we can say we're full on with God, but we don't, it doesn't, mustn't touch my wallet. And he said, actually, there's a, there's, a, there's a connection between people sowing and God doing what he wants to do by the Spirit in these days. And I said, yeah, but Adam, are we just people? He said, but just, you need to. So I said, okay, let's do this. And by, the, and, and by the way, the offering was not for them. It was for us. Which they didn't really make clear. In the, just. Anyway, friends, let me tell you right now. There's a connection between finances and a move of God. You see that right through the Scriptures. You see that in Malachi, you see that right through where God moves financially and releases his presence. Because if our hearts are free enough to release finances, you're free enough to find God. You see what I'm saying? There's a connection there. The offering is done. I'm not going to take up an offering after this. I'm just telling you finances are important. And then Adam came up to me after the service. He said, Stan, I'm so sorry. I completely messed that offering up. Do you know what, friends, there's a humility in this move that God wants to have. There's a humility where you can own up and you can be, but, and, and God can continue to bless. It's an amazing thing what God is doing amongst us, friends, and I trust that you are looking forward to that and participating in that. A couple of other things, just as we exegete something of even the weekend I came away from the weekend just with just such an urgency to pray. Such an urgency to pray. Friends, this, what God wants to do here in Durban, He is going to land on hungry hearts. And the, the, your hunger, the first way that it gets translated into on earth is in prayer and worship. Friends, that is why our Thursday meetings when we pray together as a community for an hour, are absolutely key for what God's doing. Friends, must I must tell you what you know, you're going to know God's with us is when our prayer meeting is bigger than our Sunday meeting. And when our prayer meetings are bigger than our Sunday meetings, we're not worried about Sunday meetings, we're worried about God coming in power. And when our prayer meetings become bigger than Sunday meetings, you're going to see God move like we've never seen Him before. Because there's a priority to saying, God, you are speaking. I want to partner and co-labor with you in prayer. 
I want to bring my presence into your presence so that your presence can get into other people that don't know you's presence. I had, a, I had such a sense of, a, again, this, this, the, the gift of tongues. It needs to be restored again to the church. We've preached on it. We've taught on it. We're, trying to, we're going to keep massaging that in. The gift of tongues, it's something that edifies you. It's so key if we're wanting to build an atmosphere of the presence and the power of God that we ourselves are carrying spiritual weight. And one of the tools that God gives us to do that is the gift of tongues. I was encouraged again this weekend, again about our words. The gift of tongues, but a guarded tongue. I realize this, friends, we destroy with our words more than we create with our words. So often. The negativity of the world, of this, the the scene that we're in. Friends, we have got to live with a guarded tongue. The Bible says if you can put a rein on your tongue, you can control your whole body. The Bible says this in James. It says actually true religion is to keep a tight rein on your tongue. God is speaking to us, friends, about our tongues and our language. We empower something with negative... We empower something with our tongues, whether it's negatively or positively. And I want to encourage us over this season, speak more in tongues, criticize less, and speak well of people. Let's, let's, start to see, let's start to see what people are instead of what they're not. Let's start to take what people bring rather than what they don't. And, and, and praise that and be thankful for that. Friends, it is one of the most difficult things you can do. I know. But if God, our, our language, friends, has got to be so guarded. We've been, we, we need to know when we're speaking, if we get an idea that the angelic host of heaven is around us, the presence of God is around us, and actually they respond to how we, the faith that comes through our mouths and through our tongues, I'm sure our conversations would be different. You know, Jesus is in the room when you're talking. Our conversations would be different. Unity. I love the weekend full of unity. Churches coming together. Worshipping together. Unity and our tongues are very, very connected. When we speak well of people, rather than finding fault with people, it builds unity. And unity is the thing that God commands a blessing for. It's like oil that runs down Aaron's head and beard and onto his robes. It's the oil, friends. If we want the oil of God, if we want the Spirit of God moving, unity is a big thing. It doesn't mean we have to be friends with every single person in Durban, but there's a unity of heart and a unity of spirit, which means that whatever church's name you are, your, your, your name leader and your name church is safe in the, in the mouths of Glenridge people. Even if we're different to you, even if we don't like what you're doing, actually you're doing something good, and we're going to praise that and believe God for that. And you know what? When people move from Glenridge to there, we still praise that. Especially when people move from there to us. <laughs> Friends, you see what I'm trying to say? There's a real sense. Unity is on the agenda. And lastly, if I look at the, the weekend, 
I love what God's doing with our kids, friends. God is doing something significant with our kids. And we've seen God do that probably about three, four, five, three months ago. Little girls coming and dancing in the front. One of the reasons why we did this, we want an expression of God here. And there's something of an anointing on our kids, whether they're that high or whether they're like Matthew, 20 odd years old, 21 years old. God is doing, God is using them. They're having encounters with God. They're, having, they're seeing angels. They're having encounters with God. They're coming up for prayer and getting prayed for this morning. They are, one of the photos that I've got is of, of a whole bunch of kids praying for people, different people in the meetings over the weekend. Friends, God's doing something with our kids. And actually God says, I want you to not have a childish faith. I want you to have a childlike faith. So actually let's watch them and do what they're doing. Because they just receive it and take it and say, well, that's what God says, I'm going to do it. And part of what God wants us to do is He's going to encourage us with our kids, but more than that, He's setting up another generation to run. And our responsibility of this generation is to make sure that you take all the chains off, all the fetters off, especially the walls and especially the ones in in their minds, so that they can believe God for who He is and they can believe God for a future in this nation and a good future in this nation and the nations of the world. It's absolutely amazing to see what God's doing amongst us. One of the key texts that Paul brought up last Sunday was Luke chapter 5. It was the story of Jesus preaching and teaching on the, on the shore on the, of the lake shore and getting a bit crowded and cramped because people are so pressing into him. You know, Jesus never ever battled together gather a crowd. But yet the church is infatuated with trying to get people into their buildings. Friends, when you preach Jesus, when you live Jesus, when you walk with Jesus, and you walk like Jesus, and you do what Jesus is doing, friends, you will never ever battle to get a crowd. And actually what we want to do is we want to present Jesus in his fullness and let the people come and press into him. To the point that he has to get onto a boat of some fishermen that had been fishing all night, caught nothing, and were were cleaning their nets. Luke chapter 5. And so he gets into the boat, and the boat becomes his pulpit. You see, the season that God's coming on us, and and this power and this presence, friends, it's not going to come on one man like William Branham or Paul Cain. It's going to come on a community of people. And when God comes, when God comes on a community of people, every place becomes a pulpit. Your desk at work becomes a pulpit. Your mop that you clean with becomes a pulpit. Everything you use, God, Jesus will use everything to, be able to, to get his point across, to get his love across. And so when we start to get a revelation is that actually Jesus is with me and actually any part of my day can be a pulpit in which he can minister through me, actually that's when we start to see what God wants to do, change and influence the city. We're then going to see, if you look at that text, I can't go there for time reasons. And what happened was, is that Jesus, as he's finished preaching, he says to them, now what I want you to do, Peter is take your boat out again, and I want to let go out into the deep and let out your, your nets. And Peter's response to him is, listen, God, gee, we've done this all night and we've caught nothing. What's the point? 
But he suddenly realized, oh, hang on. Uh, yeah. Listen, he's just a carpenter. What the hell does he know about fishing? But then he realized, hang on, but he's Jesus. He's Jesus. So he says, Jesus, because you said so, I'm going to go. And he goes, and they catch this massive catch of fish in which they have to call their friends to come and help them bring it in. You see, that's why unity is going to be so important, friends. Because when God starts to move in a city, no one church, no one denomination, no one flow is going to be able to hold the fish catch. And actually what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to call our allies in and our friends in and say, please come and help us. All those people that got saved in the Glen, Glen Annal area, you're going to have to go to that church because we've just got too many here. All those people that got saved in the Glenwood area, you're going to have to go to that church because actually that's a good church. And God, imagine that, friends. And so what happens was, and I love the end of this text. It says this. So he sends out, he catches this massive fish, and that's when Simon all of a sudden gets the revelation, Jesus, you are God. You are and what he does, he bends down his knee and he says, I'm a sinful man, Lord. Please help me. I'm a sinful man. And it says, and all his partners and all that were with him began to see Jesus for who he was. You know that, friends, when, God, when you become a, a revelation of Jesus strikes your heart and you use every place as a pulpit and you, use, you understand that you carry the presence of God, everybody with you gets changed and gets pulled along. You don't even have to try and have an evangelism program. It's just you become it. You become the evangelism program. And then it goes on, it says, Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. Isn't it incredible? Jesus was the greatest fisher of men ever. But he said, Simon, you're going to do that now. You see, Jesus wants us to do what he does. And he says, I'm going to make you an even greater catcher of men. Do we believe that? Do we believe that we can do what Jesus did? No, no I'm talking about really believe that. Like... Like actually so much believe it and so trust in that that actually you do go and pray for the sick. And you do give people prophetic words in the, in the, in the grocery line, in the spa, wherever you are, S-P-A-R, I mean, and, and the, the, wherever you are, at work. The other one also works, spa. It's a nicer one. So it says they pulled their boats on shore left everything and followed him. You see, friends, when we have a revelation of Jesus, we leave everything and follow him. That's what it is. He says, and you see what he does, is he doesn't teach them. Remember, I've got, we keep reminding us of this. He doesn't take them into a classroom to teach them what it means to be Jesus-like. He takes them and he follows, they follow him into life. And they get taught and they get schooled around what it is to be follow this Jesus rabbi, this teacher, and become like him so that when he's not there, they can continue the multiplication process. It's amazing, this text. You see, what we can't do, friends, is be so enamored at the catch that we don't end up following Jesus. Friends, signs, wonders, and miracles are not the point. 
signs, wonders, and miracles. And we are going to see them, friends. We are going to see them in our, in our workplaces. That's not the point. The point is following Jesus. And what we've got to do is we've got to show people those. It's amazing, Peter. How's this for Peter? So Peter now has seen his mother-in-law be healed. Okay? Wow. Jesus comes, touches her, gets up, starts serving them. He's been sitting even in this place, but in, sitting around the, the boats, listening to Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. Listen, I think if I was in the presence of the teaching of Jesus, I mean, I, I just would love to know what that was like. Spoke like a man who had authority. Simon is still dilly-dallying. He's seen his mother-in-law healed. He's seen uh, sitting under the teaching of the man, Jesus himself. He's still, whoa, where, where are we going with this? Friends, it takes a miraculous catch of fish to get Peter's heart. In the marketplace. Do you believe that we as a people can so carry the presence of God, so be unaware, so be full and overflowing in the midst of the crisis of what goes on in life and work and kids and all running a household and all the stuff and financial pressure and all that stuff, that actually we can see miraculous things happen in our workplace. That we can, we can see people that don't yet believe in Jesus be turned to look at Jesus because of the miraculous in our lives. It's an amazing thing, eh? This is Peter, the great apostle. It took a catch. It took the preaching fish. The fish preached that morning. They died preaching, <laughs> but they preached. See what I'm saying? This normal, everyday thing that he did every day, all of a sudden becomes a revelation under Jesus' direction, and actually he sees Jesus. Everything that's going to happen, friends, the power of God, the, revel the revival, whatever you want to call it, the renewal, the thing that God's going to do amongst us, as we faithful in prayer, participating in Him and trusting Him for more. Friends, it's all going to land up in people following Jesus. All going to end up following Jesus, just like it did with these guys. And I really pray that as we begin to pursue Jesus in a, with, a, with a greater hunger and a greater humility, we are going to see the power of God move. I love the fact that that revelation of Jesus didn't come by preaching fire and brimstone to Peter. It came by blessing Peter. I think in what God's going to do, it's the power of blessing that's going to release this revival. An incredible catch of fish. Oh my gosh. Can we believe that? Can we believe that God can so bless with a miraculous catch that people are wooed and wowed into his kingdom? It happened with Peter. What God is doing amongst us, friends, is absolutely significant. And I pray that we are hearing and seeing what he's doing. Don't get caught up with the styles of how it comes, the packages that they come in. Be okay with a little bit of, oh, that's a bit weird. Because you know where we are. You know what you believe. And you receive what God has so that we can be all that we call to be.
It's an incredible, incredible season. Which it's actually, uh, I, I absolutely, I'm going into, I'm going into leave uh, to holiday now. But I am so excited about what God is going to do with us. And I'm really praying that actually that momentum, that's why we're continuing with the prayer meetings, friends. Prayer is absolutely key. It's not works. It's love. It's not I have to be there. I want to be there. I want to be participating in and bringing in what God has. I want to be bringing in the fish. I want to be there. I don't want to miss out. God's speaking to us. And then Mark comes and says, God wants to unblock the wells. And Debbie comes and says, I actually want you to strike the ground. You see, God is doing something, friends. We want to strike the ground the appropriate number of times. And we want to unblock the wells to see God flowing in our city and in our lives. But it's going to take a hungry people. And it's going to take a humble people. Hungry and humble. Hungry and humble. If you don't understand what I mean by hungry, hungry is you go to sports teams and say, well, they didn't win the match. They just weren't hungry enough for it. They weren't committed. They weren't saying, God, we're going to win this thing. Friends, it's going to take hungry people, but humble people. People that know that without Jesus, we are nothing. People that know I'm a son or a daughter of God because of his gracious kindness and choosing me and being with me and, and, and allowing the gospel to do its work. Be hungry and be humble. And let's see what God does in this next season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.